Welcome to the Dacus Report, hosted by Pacific Justice Institute founder and president Brad Dacus. For 25 years, PJI has counseled, represented, and defended people whose religious freedoms, parental rights, or sanctity of life have been obstructed or violated, all free of charge. We leave no one behind and level the playing field for Americans as they are subjected to the tyranny of the powerful. Now, here's Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, on today's show, we're going to talk about some interesting cases. We're also going to talk about some very positive legislation that's come out of the state of Texas again, and you're definitely going to want to hear about that. Uh, now I'd like to bring on our attorney in the state of Texas out of our Houston office, uh, Emily Cook, uh, to talk about something that's very important in the workplace, and that's the ability for people of faith not to be purged uh, from the workplace. Uh, in fact, uh, I understand that uh, you recently had a victory regarding a pharmacist and gender-changing drugs. Please tell me more. Hi, Brad. Yes, thank you for having me today. We Here at PJI, we got a call about, about a month and a half ago of a pharmacist at a large retailer um, out in the uh, kind of New Braunfels, San Antonio area, and she had refused to fill um, gender-changing drugs uh, for minors and adults. Um, there were some uh, prescriptions coming across. Uh, one was for an 11-year-old boy. Um, and she said, I can't do this. Uh, this is, she is a very devout Christian and said there, I believe that God created male and female and created us in our mother's wombs. And I'm not, cannot participate in, in this type of, um, prescriptions. And so she asked for a religious accommodation and then that's when things kind of got a little crazy. Yeah. So. I mean, I think it's it's very reasonable for a pharmacist not to want to give a drug to a 11 year old uh, that is going to cause them harm. I mean, uh, it, you know, like would someone want to knowingly give someone arsenic and say, "Well, that's just my job. Here, here's your arsenic." Arsenic. No, you know, during the Nuremberg trials, during the examination of the Nazi war criminals, that line didn't cut it, saying, "Well, this is what I was ordered to do," and yet in our society today. I don't think it. I don't think it counts either. We need to be uh, guarded not to allow that kind of tyranny to hap happen here in the United States. Uh, this pharmacist, I think, is very justified. But even if even if people don't agree and say, "Yeah, give the kids these drugs; they're going to sterilize them for life, uh, increase their likelihood of depression and suicide before the age of thirty. Um, you know, even in that scenario, we still need to respect religious freedom. And the, the religious uh, you know, rights of, of people like this pharmacist, I think what they did was very reasonable. Now, let me just ask you. So in the past, I understand protocol has been for pharmacists uh, who do not want to give out abortifacients or pills to encourage abortion. Um, you know, they make it clear they have a religious objection. Um, if it's sincere, then the employer reasonably accommodates them. Why isn't that same protocol being recognized here in a scenario very similar to that, where we're not talking about killing a preborn baby, but we're talking about effectively killing the ability for a child to ever have children and likely be dead by the age of 30. Well, that was exactly her question. 
Um, she, when she submitted her religious request for religious accommodation, uh, all employees, when you do this, you have to submit what's called a plan of action that kind of outlines how you propose um, that this this that this issue be dealt with, accommodated within the workplace, and what your alternative suggestions are. And so she said. Her, her offer, her plan of action was, let's use the same policy that we used for abortifacients and uh, abortion-inducing drugs uh, in, our, in our pharmacy. Uh, that those are accommodations that are that are given, and so let's just, uh, let, I'll, I'll do that. Uh, whatever's in our policy there, I'll do that, which meant either have someone else on staff, um, another pharmacist fill the prescription, um, another pharmacist in that same unit or in another one of uh, a nearby pharmacy, or if there was none in that, um, in their chain, that was reasonable um, to refer them to a competitor who was willing to fill. And that's the same process that they go through for abortion-inducing drugs. And initially, her managers said, yes, this will, this, this will work, won't, won't be a problem. It'll be fine in a couple, you know, a few days, it'll get it back. And then she heard crickets, absolute crickets. Um, and then finally, about two, two and a half weeks later, they came back and said, actually, no, we're not going to uh, approve your request for religious accommodation. You're going to be put on 30 days of paid leave. And at the end of that, if you haven't found another job that is not patient facing within our entity, um, then you will be terminated. Okay, so this wasn't just a, a flippant accident. This was something where they initially did the right thing, said the right thing. Then they were silent for a period of time, a couple of weeks. So this was a premeditated, deliberated decision to discriminate and be oppressive against a pharmacist not wanting to give something so hideous and harmful to an 11-year-old boy. Uh, so so what happened then? What happened next? You know, it seemed very much like as soon as administration got involved and it was a policy, they were then scrambling at a policy level, at a higher administrative level to say, actually, how are we going to treat this? And they decided not to treat it like other religious accommodations. Um, they came back and said, Texas had passed a law during the last legislative session that effective September 1st, uh, physicians could not dis dispense uh, gender changing drugs for gender dysphoria for minors. And so they came back, this was all in August. So they came back and said, okay, we will grant it for your, for the minors, because that's about to be a moot point. The state law is about to change here in just a few, uh, few weeks, but we're still going to deny your request for adults. And they asked her several times, are you sure you don't want to change your mind? Are you sure you don't want to change your mind? And she said, my, 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 my beliefs don't change on a daily basis. Like they, this, this I have a belief in my um, through my through my faith that this is wrong, and it's going to be as wrong on Monday as it is going to be as wrong on Wednesday. Like it's not it's not changing. Um, and so they really dug in. Uh, we filed. Uh, we helped her file a, a complaint of discrimination, a charge of discrimination with the EEOC in August, um, and then a few weeks after that, about two, two or three days before uh, her last, her 30 days was up and she was going to be terminated. Uh, they con her employer contacted her and said, okay, we've changed our minds. 
uh, we're going to grant your religious accommodation and we're going to adopt your proposed plan of action. So now we are going to treat it like we treat um, pharmacists who do not want to prescribe or fill prescriptions for abortion-inducing drugs. Well, Emily, you did a fantastic job representing her on behalf of PJI. Uh, we're uh, very grateful for that. Uh, you, the, the point is here is, had you not represented her, had we not gone to bat for her, uh, you know, they, they were, they're playing hardball. I mean, the fact that they waited until just two days before she was set to be fired, before they switched their position finally, is very telling. Uh, we've seen this before where they'll, they'll hold off and hold off and hold off, and then when they realize, oh, shoot, we're going to lose, uh, then they switch their position at the very end uh, to avoid a, a lawsuit and, and, and other consequences. You did a great job. Emily, and um, I know your, your client, I know she's very appreciative as well. And, you know, hopefully this will send a signal to pharmacists across America. You know, when you're forced to do something that violates your convictions, like give drugs that are going to hurt children mentally, physically, uh, sterilize them for life, you've got a remedy, you've got rights, and I encourage them to contact us uh, just like this pharmacist did. And had a wonderful, wonderful outcome. At PJI, we exist to serve everyone in need of counsel, representation, and defense of their religious liberties, parental rights, and the sanctity of life. We don't take cases based on how high profile they are. We are workhorses, not show horses. Keep current on PJI's work on all the legal challenges we face on a daily basis by signing up for our Legal Insider email newsletter at pji.org. Now, back to the Dacus Report. Emily, what about what you did with regards to uh, McKinney, the McKinney Unified School District? I understand that one of their trustees, one of their school board members, uh, who's a wonderful man, Chad Green, has been uh, on their firing squad, so to speak, by his peers and the teachers' union. Uh, what's going on there uh, with Chad Green and his situation? Yes, um, Ch Trustee Green, he is a board member, an elected school board member of the McKinney Independent School District, and he has been uh, a, a, a target of the rest of the school board members and the superintendent um, in that district because he is teaming up with parents. He was elected by parents who are concerned about a whole host of issues um, going on in their children's school district, not the least of which um, involves sexually explicit books in their libraries um, and drag queen performance uh, performances that are posted on the McKinney ISD uh, website for students to get extra credit or enrichment activities for viewing. And um, he is bringing these concerns to light. And so he's been targeted censure after censure attempts um, to get him in, um, to, to prevent him from doing his job. At the last uh, meeting that we had uh, where we PJI represented Mr. Green, one of the school board members lamented the fact that they could not, as a board, remove someone who was elected by the citizens of their district. You know, it's just very much, we see this on the very much a holier than thou attitude of 
um, oh, these voters, they don't really, they don't really know what they're doing, right? We, we got to be able to put it, our own check on the voters. It's a teacher's union putting the check <laughs> on the voters, right? Because the, the other people on that school board, I mean, I'm going I'm to cut to the chase. They're puppets of a teacher's union and their radical agenda. And the fact that they would in any way uh, condone the promotion and giving school credit to kids att attending, attending drag queen uh, events uh, of any kind. I mean, this is sick, Emily. And McKinney, Texas, that's uh, located, I used to live in Plano. So it's, it's north of Dallas, just north of Plano. It's one of the most uh, conservative areas, voting areas in the state of Texas. And they've got these kind of losers dominating their school district. So I'll t tell you one thing that they did after the last meeting um, where we were successful in defending uh, Chad Green from uh, getting a censure. Um, they happened to take off um, online where all the school board members were listed, all of their email addresses uh, and routed every single uh, contact from a constituent, from a parent, from a community member could go to the board president and the superintendent. No longer could you have direct access to the individual school board members, which is a violation of Texas Education Code. If the Education Code requires that you place, um, that, that school boards maintain individual contact information for board members for this exact reason, so that it's not routed through administration, that you can air your grievances about the school. Um, it's like the fox guarding the hen house. Uh, we we kind of raised a little ruckus about that, um, and promptly after we brought it to their attention that that was actually not uh, part of uh, the law, uh, they attorneys advised them to remove it and get back to where parents can individually contact members like Trustee Green. Yeah. Well, Emily, you're on top of it. And uh, I know your, our client, uh, trustee, school board member, Chad Green, greatly appreciates uh, your assistance. I mean, he is the parents' rights advocate. He's a children's rights advocate uh, for, the, for those in the school district. And I, I would expect that the people in McKinney, the parents in McKinney, Texas uh, are going to take this to heart in the, the next election. Uh, I would like to see, personally, my personal capacity, I would love to see a slate of solid parent right, parental right candidates put on the, uh, that school board uh, a sweeping victory to remove those teacher union puppets and puppets of the LGBTQ agenda, have them removed uh, and bring some sanity back to McKinney uh, Independent School District you know, so many times, Emily, people say, I'm going to leave California, I'm going to leave New York, I'm going to go to Texas, and there I'll be assured our, those public schools are safe. Folks, if Mc, the McKinney Independent School District is not safe, there's no school district in Texas that is quote-unquote safe. People have to be involved, they have to be engaging, and uh, let's hope that a lot of pastors will hear from their congregations uh, the need for uh, not to be complacent but to speak up and uh, be engaged and get a solid slate of parent-friendly school board members who actually represent the people and not the teachers' union. Uh, finally, uh, Senate Bill 12. Uh, this is in the state of Texas. Uh, this was passed in 2023 regarding stopping 
uh, drag shows in front of children. Um, how'd that go? Well, the, le the legislature passed the measure that um, in beginning September 1st that uh, sexually explicit content in the in uh, entertainment in drag shows could not it, it is criminal as you cannot do that in the presence or in reasonably where a child under the age of 18 could view the um, view the view the entertainment and that quote unquote I say entertainment and so it's targeting drag drag queen shows that are being put on public libraries at schools at restaurants. Um, and it's been a it's been a huge issue, uh, especially in the DFW Metroplex area, over the last couple of years. And so this bill is aimed at that. Uh, just about two days before that bill was set to go into effect on September 1st, a liberal judge out of the Southern District of Texas, a federal judge, uh, granted a temporary restraining order. The ACLU and a, uh, a a company based in Bear County, which is San Antonio, um, called 360 Queen Entertainment LLC, um, along with the Woodlands Pride and the Abilene Pride Alliance, um, they filed a lawsuit alleging that the statute was unconstitutional, alleging that um, the statute was vague and encompassed all sorts of activity. And I can just tell you, reading through the complaint itself, I'm thinking, I should not be reading this complaint, much less should this activity be shown in front of minors. I mean, it's just yeah. insane. They're equating um, drag queen uh, uh, drag shows to art forms and Michelangelo's David and um, all sorts of just uh, in, in yeah. stretches of the imagination about what this conduct um, yeah. uh, entails. And yeah. so we're yeah. right now that's that's on hold right now in Texas. Yeah. Well, Emily, I, I know you were sort of struggling there. Like, how do I describe this and still be friendly to the people watching this program? And they have kids watching the program. And uh, so I, I think you did a pretty good job of dancing around that to get the information without giving too much information. Uh, but that's the whole point. Uh, do individuals have free speech rights? Yes. Uh, but... The, the, the courts, the Supreme Court, has recognized the rights of communities, the rights of states, to pass statutes that specifically protect minors from uh, obscene or material that is not age appropriate, right? I mean, that's, that's exactly. solid case law, right? Exactly. We may think that a child, you know, I may think my 16-year-old should be able to buy cigarettes. Well, no, they can't do that. I might think my 14-year-old can drive a car safely, but state law does not allow them to do that either. You know, there are there are um, limits to what is appropriate, or you know, maybe a 19-year-old should be able to buy alcohol. Well, no, that's just not reality. That's not. Um, so the state of Texas, through their elected officials, have made a policy decision that we don't think that 18, uh, children under 18 should be exposed to drinking performances. And that is apparently not okay with some folks. Yeah, well, and those folks that it, it's not okay with, those that are trying to push this on little children, shame on them. Uh, would they push for little children to go into uh, watch uh, porn movies, uh, into strip clubs? Uh, no, I mean, I, I would like to say they wouldn't, but actually I, I'm sure they probably would. They're, it's so We live in a society where uh, groups and entities and even large 
parts of our society are so sick and twisted with regards to what's right versus wrong and um, oblivious and, or deliberately ignorant or, or not wanting to know the consequences, even though the studies are there to show the consequences, particularly involving children's exposure to this kind of material. Uh, it's, it's so disturbing. I understand you've got you know, a number of, of radical organizations also uh, involved in this. Uh, Emily, I appreciate the work that you're doing. My prediction is that this will result in the end in the courts upholding this Texas law protecting children and uh, we will not have to, uh, we will not, we, I don't think we'll see a negative outcome. I think at the end of the day we're going to see a positive outcome in the Texas courts uh, but also even if this goes before the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, Emily, thank you for the work that you're doing and um, I'm just so glad to have someone like you heading up PJI's office there in the state of Texas. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you for having us. You got it. You know, folks, um, this is just another reminder of why we at PJI are not just in uh, California or, or in Oregon or Washington State, but why we have offices all across the country. In fact, I think we have more offices uh, from Miami through Boston than we do from Seattle to San Diego. Uh, we have a, a strong presence uh, on the East Coast, but we see these things happening in other parts of the country, in, in red states. We have cases uh, actively engaged in offices in, in red states like Texas and Tennessee and, and Florida and Georgia, North Carolina. Why? Because, because there's a need. Because the fact is, these attacks are happening everywhere. And that's why we at PGI uniquely have offices all across the country, coast to coast, going to bat. We're also unique, as you may well know, that you know, we don't just cherry pick a few high profile cases. If we did that, then you know, we just have a, one office and just fly attorneys here, there occasionally and take on a few high profile cases as they pop up. Uh, no, we work hard to make sure that to the best of our abilities that everyone gets help, that no one's left on the side of the road. Occasionally, um, I will hear of someone when they say, yeah, um, I want help. I couldn't get help. And when that comes to me, it, it breaks my heart and we move on it and we work hard to shore up those situations. For example, in the state of Washington, we were overwhelmed. We've been overwhelmed with cases. Well, you know what we've done? We've brought in more current attorneys. We have three offices there in the state of Washington. In New York, uh, we have three offices there in New York. Uh, well, you know what? turns out New York um, is even more problematic, and we're looking to, to bring on more staff. If you're a paralegal, if you're an attorney, um, if you're someone who'd like to volunteer, uh, in those states or any, any states, but in particular what I saw in New York and New Jersey recently, please let us know and uh, become a part of our team. Uh, not just in terms of you know, signing up to get, on our, 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 to get our case updates, our emails, and uh, become a, uh, a partner in, in that regard, but also if you want to use your skills and abilities to become a part of our team, we greatly appreciate that. Uh, we're growing as an organization as we work hard to make sure that no one is left on the side of the road. That's our objective, to make sure that no one is left on the side of the road when it comes to religious freedom, parents' rights, or the sanctity of human life. We're engaged on a major legal front, and we're taking on these cases, but 
we also recognize it's not just legal. Folks, this is a spiritual war. There's, these are spiritual battles. And so we look at it from that perspective as well. And we work hard to, to minister directly to churches and congregations when we have those opportunities uh, because we see it as spiritual as, as well as legal. In fact, more spiritual, in my opinion, as we look at what we're facing today. Uh, recently, I just, I just came back from uh, New York and New Jersey. And while I was there, I had the, the blessing to be able to uh, guest preach at a number of churches, Calvary Chapel of Hudson Valley, uh, Calvary Chapel in, in New Jersey, uh, in a town called Old Bridge, uh, fantastic churches and pastors, Calvary Chapel of Yonkers, and uh, there are also some, some other church churches and pastors from other denominations and other groups that uh, we made some great contacts. Uh, I was able to guest preach at a Spanish-speaking church uh, there in New York, um, and having a, a solid, positive impact with the truth. But I also recognize that in the long run, in the long run, um, it's not just about empowering people with their rights. It's also about always remembering that in the big picture, you cannot change a nation unless you change their hearts. We would love the opportunity to continue to serve you. Just visit pji.org and click the Legal Insider button to sign up for our email newsletter. At PJI, we help individual employees, employers, business owners, pastors, students, citizens of every stripe through our practical resources, counsel, representation, and defense, all free of charge at pji.org. PJI is an island of stability and assurance in our ever-churning sea of legal and societal chaos. We are here for you. So folks, just remember, it's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms.